Theresa May, Britain's new Prime Minister, and her record on online privacy, and creating an antidote to ransomware. These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We start off today with a look at Britain's new Prime Minister, Theresa May. As the former Home Secretary tasked with Homeland Defense, May comes to her new job with considerable understanding about the powers of cyber, especially as they relate to the surveillance of those who threaten the United Kingdom. I've said many times before that it is not possible to debate the balance between privacy and security, including the rights and wrongs of intrusive powers and the oversight arrangements that govern them, without also considering the threats that we face as a country. To discuss May and her understanding of cybersecurity and related matters, I'm joined by my colleague Matt Schwartz. He's editor of Data Breach Today and is based in Britain. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. As Homeland Secretary under David Cameron, May was a proponent of a contentious surveillance bill. What does that tell us about how she'd approach cybersecurity as Prime Minister? May was pushing a bill called the Data Retention and Investigatory Powers Act, or DRIPA. It was branded as a snooper's charter by critics. It mandates 12 months of retention by telecommunications providers and internet service providers of users' metadata. What's interesting about the bill is it was thrown out in 2015 for offering insufficient privacy protections. The bill was sold by May as a mandatory tool for law enforcement to battle everything from terrorism to money laundering. Here's May talking about why this bill was so necessary. Those threats remain considerable and they are evolving. They include not just terrorism from overseas and homegrown in the UK, but also industrial, military and state espionage. They include not just organised criminality, but also the proliferation of once physical crimes online, such as child sexual exploitation, and the technological challenges that that brings. In the face of such threats, we have a duty to ensure that the agencies whose job it is to keep us safe have the powers they need to do the job. This bill tells us a lot about how May understands or maybe does not understand cybersecurity as she has now become prime minister. First of all, May is pushing mass surveillance as a tool for law enforcement to better battle crime. That has never been substantiated. Former Prime Minister David Cameron was pressed in this point, and the best that he could offer was an analogy from fictional television crime shows. There was no real-world example that he had to draw on. The same has happened with U.S. politicians. Mass surveillance does not necessarily help law enforcement. That is interesting. The EU's high court ruled that mass surveillance is incompatible with Europeans' privacy rights. That was in response to the UK's surveillance law. Hmm. So, Matt, there seems to be a conflict between May's view on surveillance and EU's stringent privacy laws. Her biggest challenge as prime minister is to negotiate with the EU Britain's exit from the European Union. After all, Britain wants to continue to have access to the EU single market after Brexit. In order to do that, they're going to have to comply with some EU regulations relating to privacy. And it's highly likely that Europe will require the UK to not conduct mass surveillance or else they're not going to get a favorable deal when it comes to their Brexit negotiations. Can May pull this off? She has a reputation as a master negotiator, so it's likely that there will be some give and some take. But it's too soon to say exactly what May might be willing to sacrifice of her legislative history in order to fulfill more big picture ambitions for Britain. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. Malicious software known as ransomware can be very disruptive to organizations. 
Unless they religiously back up their files, enterprises victimized by ransomware often are left with unwanted choices. Cough up ransom with the faith that cybercriminals will unlock their data or forfeit that data. So far, security software hasn't done a particularly good job in detecting ransomware. But as ISMG's managing editor for security and technology, Jeremy Kirk, reports, a team of researchers say they developed a defense that takes an unconventional approach to stopping ransomware. Ransomware has had devastating effects. The file encrypting malware has caused system blackouts for consumers and companies alike, and security software applications haven't been doing a great job at stopping infections. But a group of researchers from the University of Florida and Villanova University say that ransomware's objective, which is encrypting large volumes of files quickly, could be just the clue needed to stop it. The researchers have developed a security application called CryptoDrop. CryptoDrop is engineered to look at file systems and watch for sudden changes. Ransomware acts much differently than the legitimate software programs and the changes it makes to files. CryptoDrop looks at three indicators for a file. Its randomness, whether a file has totally transformed into something else, and the similarities between two copies of the same file. If the trio of indicators are present, it's likely that ransomware is at work. Nolan Scaife, a graduate student at the University of Florida who designed CryptoDrop, explains it's a totally different approach than that of antivirus software. It bypassed your antivirus. It's running anyway. It doesn't matter whether it's bad or good. It's already running. But it's messing with your files in such a way that we think this could be destroying them. Are you okay with that? CryptoDrop was tested against 492 samples of ransomware and detected every one. When ransomware is found, CryptoDrop stops the process and warns users. It's not perfect. A median of 10 files were encrypted before CryptoDrop kicked in, but it's much better than totally losing files. The researchers remain cautious, however, of its long-term effectiveness. Patrick Trainer, co-director of the Florida Institute for Cybersecurity Research at the University of Florida, says fighting cybercriminals is always an arms race. I would be cautious of anybody who would claim that they would sell you a uh, this will work forever technique. But that said, we think that this is um, a pretty significant advance. Unfortunately, the software isn't available yet. The researchers have applied for a patent and are looking for partners in the security industry to commercialize it. I'm Jeremy Kirk with Information Security Media Group. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. They're known as norms of responsible state behavior in cyberspace, and the United States is actively promoting specific peacetime norms among nation states. At a House of Representatives hearing this week, the State Department's top cyber diplomat, Chris Painter, described the norms to lawmakers. The norms we've been promoting are, for instance, don't attack the critical infrastructure of another country absent wartime that provides services to the public, don't attack computer emergency response teams, don't use them for bad, use them for defensive purposes, and an expectation that if you get a request from another state and there's malicious code coming or activity coming from that state that you're going to mitigate it through technical or law enforcement means. And then finally, don't steal the intellectual property using cyber means of another country for your commercial benefit. And that's new, and we're promoting that, and that's some of the stuff we've been doing at G20. If you look at every, literally every time the president has a meeting with a foreign leader, every single time, and the Nordic Summit is an example, the Modi visit just recently is another, you'll see a big statement on cyber, including these norms. That's a real priority. But are these norms of behavior working? Peter Singer says there's evidence they haven't. Singer is a strategist at the think tank New America and author of the book Cyber Security and Cyber War, What Everyone Needs to Know. He testified at the hearing. Here's what he told lawmakers. 
but different incident, which we haven't talked about, but I think is crucial to norm building. Essentially, the failure of the U.S. and the international community to respond to the December hack of the Ukrainian power grid. This is the first proven takedown of this kind. It's the long-discussed nightmare scenario. It's a violation of a widely agreed norm not to target civilian infrastructure with the intent to cause widespread and disproportionate damage. And yet, in the story of action and consequence, we had action. So far, we've had no consequence. Getting nations to adopt norms of behavior in cyberspace doesn't seem to be as big of a challenge as making sure that they follow through on them. Finally, the Israel Defense Forces is banning on its military bases the use of the hot smartphone game app Pokemon Go. The game requires access to the player's location and camera in order for them to play. According to the Israeli newspaper Haaretz, the IDF's Information Security Department warns that the game is a source of gathering information. Israeli soldiers already are forbidden to check in at bases or during military duty using social media. Soldiers have been punished for checking in on Facebook. IDF leaders fear that soldiers might reveal sensitive information about military bases and army operations with the new Pokemon Go app. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.